0: Father, I thank you for the time you've ordained right now. Father, I release faith for the ministry of the Holy Ghost. You would speak to every person, meeting them where they are. Lord, may words of wisdom and understanding and revelation flow. May there be an impartation of your power and your strength, from your spirit to our spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're talking about the call of God. Isaiah 6-1 is where I want to start. Isaiah 6, one says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. I saw, that word's been emphasized somewhat here, to hear, to see, to know. I saw the Lord in the year King Uzziah died. Now, Uzziah was a good king. Second uh, Chronicles chapter 26 speaks about Uzziah as king, and I believe it's verse 4, it says, he did what was good and what was right in the sight of the Lord. He was a good king, he was a good leader, and he had a certain unique grace upon him for war, where he, he, he developed these, uh, it says, engines or machines to be able to shoot multitude of arrows off the top of the towers at one time, and hurl a multitude of rocks, And he developed these things, and and as a result of that, they had protection, safety, they were more than conquerors, and and he was graced in that way. Then it goes on to say that when he was strong in his heart, his heart was lifted up. You see, as you continue to, to operate in the thing that God's called you to, and you see him working, you see his grace, you begin to get strong in that. Brother Dale was just speaking of the confidence that comes as you're seeing uh, the Lord do the things you first saw in your spirit, or you saw him do through someone else, and you can begin to get strong. And, And that's a good thing, except if you allow pride to attach itself to that, and that's what happened to King Uzziah pride began to attach itself to the confidence that he had in in the calling he was operating in as king. And he was anointed as a king. He was a good king. He did the right thing. And he had uh, developed uh, the the, uh, weapons of warfare to expand the kingdom. Weapons of natural warfare. But he began to get lifted up in pride. I want to, to caution you to something, and that is, at any point along the way, pride could begin to come into your heart. You might say, well, I'm humble, I humble myself back here. But today, we humble ourselves before the Lord each and every day, at any point in time. In fact, the further along you go, the greater the possibilities are of it, because you've seen more take place And if you begin to think, well, this is what I did, I'm somebody now. When you allow that thought in, that's the beginning of the end. That's when you're going to start to go down. And historically, when you study church history, you see many and many and many men and women of God go so far in their calling and anointing and great things are done only to be taken down at a certain point along the way. And if you begin to be respected and there's people following you, if you go down, you're going to take a whole lot of people with you. Unless they were highly trained already to keep their eyes on the Lord, not on man. So Satan targets leaders. He targets people who begin to operate. Uh, He targets them in an even higher way because if he can take them down, he can take down a lot of people with him. Therefore, there's a great responsibility if, if you're leading whatever number of people, just as a parent leading your children, if you go down, that's on you taking them down. And there is a very sobering thought with all of that that we need to have in the fear of the Lord that we are very mindful of our spirit, mindful of our heart, and we keep ourselves humble before the Lord, letting Him be Lord and will be who He's called us to be. Be content with what He called you to be. So here we have Uzziah the king, great king, did some great things, but pride began to come in. And he begins to look and he begins to covet the anointing of others' ministry. And he looks at the priest and he says, I can do that. I'm going to go into the temple and make offerings before the Lord. And many a ministry been taken down right there, where they covet another man's ministry, another man's anointing. And to be used in a certain way, they're not satisfied just with what God called them to do. They want more. Now, we should always want more of God, okay? We want more of Him. But we're not coveting what, how He's using someone else. We find what He's called us to do, and in all sober-mindedness and in the fear of the Lord, we, we, we treat it with great respect, and continue to seek the Lord. In fact, it says that of Uzziah. That as long as he sought the Lord, he prospered. And that there was Zechariah the prophet who had understanding of the visions of God. And I'm just quoting from there. Second Chronicles 26. If you like to look at scriptures while you're hearing some, someone preach, you can turn there. I don't want to take the time to, to, to read all of that. But I can quote it and speak it. As long as he sought the Lord, he prospered. We have to always continue to be seeking the Lord's face first, not going on yesterday's faith, not going on yesterday's miracle or blessing, but we seek him fresh every day. So here Uzziah comes to a certain point and pride begins to come in. I'm the king. Look at all these victories we have. Look what I did. And at that point with that pride, he begins to covet the anointing on the priestly ministry. And says, I'm king, I can go into the temple. So he he began to make movements in that direction. And the priests were were crying out to him. You cannot do that. They knew with the word. They knew the law of God. You cannot cross over into that ministry. That's, That's not for you. But he, in his pride, disregarded them. He saw himself as above the word of God. So therefore, he felt he could do whatever he wanted to do. I'm the king. So he goes in to the temple. They're pleading, don't do it, king. Don't do it, king. And God hits him with leprosy right on the head. Right as he goes in there, and that's what kills him. And he goes down. There's been many a ministry. Begins to covet other ministries. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, a history lover, a history student. I love church history as well as... A lot of other history. And I've seen over and over over the years how many ministries went down because he tried to cross over into another calling and another anointing. There was a certain ministry that was very much anointed as an evangelist. This was in the 80s, and this brother decided he's going to be a teacher. Because back at that time, the, the office of the teacher was really being restored to the body of Christ. And there were certain others who were being raised up. And that person decided he was a teacher. And, and he'd come up with all kinds of goofy stuff that was not according to the word. I won't get into all that because I don't have time for that. But he'd come up with this other, these other things. Because he and the evangelist who was anointed to bring people into the kingdom and to, to inspire people to evangelism, he decides he's a teacher. And Here's the kind of thing that he did. He said, because he, he was, there's was a certain denomination that uh, do not believe Jesus died spiritually. We believe that here. Okay? Uh, Jesus became fully identified with man in his death. That we could be fully identified with him in his resurrection. He suffered the judgment that we deserve to pay. He went to hell and suffered. You don't have to. Don't ever ask what you deserve. You deserve to go to hell. All, we receive all by his grace and his mercy, not because we deserve anything. So drop the whole I deserve something out of your head because that only leads to offense. Well, anyway, he says, uh, you know, he you know, quote, he was made to be sin who knew no sin. And that's Greek in the New Testament. And he's saying the Hebrew word was this. Yeah, but you're reading from the Greek. That's this kind of thing a real teacher would never do something like that. And he used it to, con- to try to s- sell this message of why uh, it's heresy and false doctrine to say Jesus died spiritually. And, you know, some of our forefathers were on the forefront back then teaching that. So he'd name them by name on his national program. I thought, oh, my, 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 brother. And I didn't really follow him. I just happened to be tuned in, watched it one. just happened to see it. Less than a year later is in sexual sin. It's dangerous to cross over outside of what you've been called to do out of coveting another man's or woman's anointing in ministry. Very dangerous thing to do. So I want to make that point here because we're talking about the call of God. Just find what He's called you to do. Begin to put your hand to what's at hand. You don't wait for you know, uh, lightning to shoot out of heaven and a voice be heard in the thunder. Begin to set your hand to the work of the Lord, serving, witnessing, praying, what the Bible tells all of us to do. Start there. Specific instructions will follow later. Begin to do what he tells all of us to do. So here Uzziah dies. He was a great king. He was a great leader. And there is now the need for someone else to step up there are times you need the body of Christ needs someone else, or a multitude even, to step up into that place and to carry on the work of the Lord. I remember some years ago, it began to be spoken out how, because there were many many great men and women of God you know, back in Dale refers to him a lot when he's preaching. I don't have to name names. but I remember as we were moving, say, uh, late '90s maybe. And it would be discussed, you know, the great men of God are getting ready to go. There needs to be some other step up. And one by one, many of them have gone to be with the Lord. There's not many left. of That that movement back there, that move of God, that generation. And there's a need for new leaders to step up. Now, there'll be people rise up and do things and whatever. Uh, It's a subjective thought to say whether or not they've been... Those shoes have been filled or not. That's very subjective. So I'm not going to go there. But the point that is a valid point to make, there's times there is the need for someone to step up. Now, we all need to learn to step up into the thing he called us to do, but then there's times there may be someone steps out of the ministry where they are into a higher level because there's a greater uh, realm of ministry or leadership needed. uh, Isaiah was already ministering in the prophetic. But there at this time there needs to be a stepping up into a greater measure of that because the king who was a good leader got into sin and died. I remember some years ago we we were talking there in Ukraine there was a a certain individual who was very much used because they tend to have unions and and all that. And that person like, went to prison, got into like uh, leading pastors into multi-level marketing schemes and stuff. And I don't know, was he the only one? Or other ones end up there as well. But I remember you telling me there was a vacuum. There was a leadership vacuum. I don't know if it ever got filled. We haven't talked about that since then. That's, I don't know, how many years ago, a few years back. There was a need for somebody else to step up. Was there, Dale? I mean, the war and that happened after this. So it made even more pressure. People leaving and everything else. There's a need for people to step up. Or what happens, the work of God in his people may be weakened. Leadership's needed. We don't exalt the, the man, but we need the offices. We need those anointings to keep you know, leading everyone forward. There's times for a stepping up, and yesterday the Spirit of God was ministering through Brother Bob, relative to the, to the younger ones. It's all relative. I'm waiting on the Lord. He renews my strength like an eagle. My youth renewed like the like a young. <laughs> Amen. Brother Larry's a young man. He talked to me the other day. He Said, "I'm 60. I'm 63." I said, "You're a young man, brother." Hallelujah. We wait upon the Lord. but see there's the need of that stepping up many of you that are younger you might say well what can i do well in your flesh maybe not much but by the spirit you can be used in a mighty way and it might not all be happening all at once there's that preparational time in the lord but god's going to call us to step up into that call and into the anointing that corresponds with it. Remember, the call is to the heart. Grace is the call. So whatever he calls you to do, you don't be afraid of it. He'll give you the grace or the ability, the anointing, the wisdom to do it. Step up. Now, as many of you know, my wife and I have a parrot. And I've told some parrot stories before, but I've got a different, different parrot illustrations here. Our parrot's a lot of fun. Don always wanted a bird. I wasn't so keen on birds. I like dogs. And uh, our youngest son moved out, joined military. I was like, it's time to get her a bird. So when I go on a missions trip, she has somebody to talk to. <laughs> I mean, you can talk to a dog. dog don't talk back. So the dog guards the house, and the parrot's the, you know, the conversational one. Well, she has a house in our house. I don't call it a cage. From a human perspective, you could think that's a cage. It's a bunch of bars. That's her house. Those bars aren't to keep her in or keep you out. That's her space. She likes her house. And a bird like that, you have to clip their wings about, what is it, every six weeks. Because they might fly and hurt themselves. Some of us might need our wings clipped. That we're not going off in our own ability, doing something we shouldn't do. We don't want that bird flying around. She could fly into the mouth of my dog. Yeah, so sometimes we need our our wings clipped too. And she has her house. And there's times she's invited to come out of her house. And the way it works is there would be like a stick that's a perch. Or sometimes when Donna's real bold, she might stick her finger in there. But you don't go into her house, she'll bite you. Let her step up and come out. So you have the perch. This will serve. You have the perch. You stick it in and say, step up! Step up! And she'll step up on that perch. And she is lifted up out of the house or the cage. She's... Steps up on the perch, my wife lifts her out. We don't open the door and say, fly bird. No, we clipped her wings. We don't want her flying out doing what she wants to do. She steps up, we lift her up and take her where we want her to be. So she has her like play cage. <laughs> or maybe she'll put her on a table or something like that. But she has to step up. And that's the command. Step up. Step up. James 4.10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. 1 Peter 5.5. And I think it was Dale the other night reading from that or quoting from that. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He will lift you up. He will raise you up. And when it comes to the work of God and the calling to that work, and the grace that we need. We humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift us up, but we have to step up on the hand of God. Step up onto that perch where He's going to lift us up. We don't just take off and fly. And end up hurting ourselves, but we step up. Now, sometimes she doesn't want to come out of that house, cage, Sometimes she says, I like, I don't want to come out right now. So she doesn't step up. Some people, they build cages through allowing fear in their life. And it's like you're in a cage. If someone hurts you, I'm talking about hurting your soul. You have a choice to make. You can forgive and release it. Or you can carry it and allow bitterness and develop fears of being hurt again. This is a story of many people's lives. They're afraid to be hurt again. Some people, you'll hear them say, well, they got divorced and they say, I'll never marry again. I'll never trust a man again. I'll never trust a woman again. They hurt me. Well, that very thought creates a prison for you. You're in the cage. There's a cage of comfort zone. You get used to uh, being used to the Lord a certain way or serving in a certain way, and you're comfortable in that. You're not challenged. And by wanting to stay comfortable, you, you, you set up the cage. You're in the bars. And there's times we need for the Spirit of God to say, Step up, bird! Step up! I want to lift you out and lift you into something else, to another place, into something else. Don't allow comfort to become a cage. Don't allow uh, fears of being hurt, fears of making a mistake to become a cage to you. The Spirit of God is going to say, I need you to step up. Step up so I can take you on, so I can take you out from that. And the limitations are removed. Step up. Well, we humble ourselves. In the sight of the Lord, and he will lift us up. All we have to do is step on, step up onto his grace. Step up onto his hand, and he will lift us up. And that's stepping up for us. I saw the Lord. I need to give you another parrot story. There was a thief. He broke into a house. And in this house, he's breaking their steel. It's nighttime. And he hears a voice. And this voice says, Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. And and it just keeps repeating that. Jesus is watching. He's getting a little irritated he Says to himself, "I don't believe in Jesus. Jesus is watching." So finally, it's bugging him. His voice and some parrots; can, they'll, they can make themselves sound just like their, whoever they're imitating, their master. And some are, are, are more proficient at it. Certain breeds of them are more proficient. Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching. So finally, this thief's getting irritated, and he wants to see who's saying this. And he flicks the light on. And he looks, and he sees this German shepherd sitting there. And the bird says, sick him, Jesus. (laughs) And he's out of the house because he saw Jesus. Now, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself as per seeing Him. It's not about Him seeing you. He only knows everything about you. You will humble yourself, or you can make the choice to humble yourself according to as you see Him. Humble yourself in seeing Him. In the process of seeing him, humble yourself. So as we're going to be taken and led to step up into a higher realm, it's going to be based on seeing Jesus. Seeing more of him, seeing him in a greater way. And then you know, we, we, we humble ourselves, but we're stepping on that, and grace will lift us up from that point. But it's in it, what are you seeing of him? There's the need for Isaiah to rise to a higher level in his prophetic calling because King Uzziah had just died as a result of his sin. And the Lord reveals himself. He says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And he gives some more descriptions. He speaks to those angels around there and says... Uh, one cried to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now this is a declaration. There are times you see and know things. There's times I might have like, visions. I see a person and I know something about them in the spirit. You could have that. You could see the Lord's face and, and, and something goes into you. There's times things are declared and something is released in spirit into your spirit. You see, the anointing to preach carries more of that element. Now, I love to teach. Herb was just telling me, uh, he remembered a time, I don't know how many years ago, he called me, asked me a question, and he said two hours later he was hanging the phone up. I saw. I don't remember what was said, but you pushed my teach button. You asked me a question. <laughs> you know your strength can annoy people sometimes you know you can be real strong in something and you have to sort of temper it kind of watch you know, it's like okay i'll stop i'll stop i remember we were young ministry and we're out with the pastor of a very large church we're sitting with them and you know just fellowshipping and uh they started saying something or other and i went in teach mode and my wife's kicking me under the table on my shins you mentioned the other night. There's a time you didn't kick the shins anymore. That's because you learn. <laughs> oh my! But there's a time in the anointing where things are just declared and go into our spirit. Holy, holy, holy is Lord of hosts. The whole earth full of His glory. That went into His spirit. And there are those times. There's times, and I I'll I recite them. I, I can identify them. I will in preaching. Sometimes, at this moment in time, this person spoke this and went into my spirit, changed my life. You need to know what those times are in your life. You know when God's doing that. That's not like every message, whatever. I could be sitting. You know, across from somebody, you're eating bacon and eggs, and they say something that goes into your spirit. It could be when someone's preaching. But the preaching anointing more is one of declaration. It's not about creating understanding, it's about something going into your spirit. And these last three, four months, I've had like this increase of the preaching anointing because the times demand it that the people of God stand up strong and say, I don't care. What a human authority says, I'm going to obey God and worship Him no matter what. I don't care what the medical experts say that should be killing me. No plague will come nigh this dwelling. Jesus Christ is my healer. He is my protection and deliverance. And there's a time. There's times you have to just declare some things. I love to teach. There's times for that. but We have to know what time it is in the Holy Ghost. Holy, 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 the Lord of hosts, the whole earth's full was going into Isaiah's spirit. The very posts of the door removed at the voice of him that cried. The house was filled with smoke. Now I want the real thing when I have, you know, when I'm partaking something. We don't need no smoke machines. That's carnal flesh. If God wants to fill his house with smoke, let him fill his, fill his house with smoke. Let's not pretend and play games. Then said I, whoa. No, he said, Whoa is me. I'm undone. The light has shined. Did you ever feel like you were standing naked before the Lord? You know, he just speaks a truth, and it's like whatever you had, you were covering your flesh with, what you're covering up your behaviors, and the light shines like, whoa is me. Oh, that's good stuff. That's times. To, to, to take you to step up, because there's things that hold us back, and the love of the fathers, he wants to take the cage down, that which would keep you confined and limited and held in, and sometimes that, that's sin of one form or another. And we need the light of Christ to shine, His word to come, where it just there's, we throw this off because I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Woe is me, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, to go to a higher level, to step up. We need a greater revelation or a fresh revelation of whatever we need from God. It's not something you can fabricate or ask for or plan for. He'll come to you when it's time. Step up. Step up. So he reveals himself. I saw the king. Remember what he said to Paul. Ananias, Spirit of God through Ananias to Paul. The Lord's chosen you to know his will. To see the just one. And to hear his voice. The simplicity of that's what holds, or what's the foundation and sustenance of anointed ministry. He says... Uh, one, one of the seraphims flew, and he had a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with the, tongue, with the tongues from off the altar. He laid it on my mouth, said, This has touched thy lips. Iniquity's taken away, sins purged. Now, I, I don't know what all circles this was in, but I know in the Pentecostal circles. Another phrase, I mentioned one of them yesterday or the day before. Baptize the Holy Ghost and fire! And the thought was, or at least how, how I heard it, that that fire was emotion. And that's how they handled it. It's not talking about emotion. Fire consumes. God is a consuming fire. The fire of God, the influence of the Holy Ghost, will burn out sin. Or it purifies, just as with metals. It will purify the metal, and the uh, dross comes to the top, and you scrape it off. I used to see that. I worked it for a foundry in a foundry, uh, maybe in like 1978 or something like that. And they'd have these ovens, and you know they were pouring, making like uh, plumbing fittings out of iron and stuff. And they'd have these ovens, and there would be different temperatures. And at different temperatures, certain things would rise the top, separate you scrape it off. And it kept working towards the purity of the metal that they wanted. So the fire of God burns off the things that make your cage, that limit the Spirit of God in your life, or even worse, that would lead you astray. We need the fire of God to burn hot. It's not about emotion. I mean God touches you, your emotions will be touched, but it's not about emotion. And what you would have, people make a works out of that and they try to work up work up fire. So they go and shake hands, and somebody's jerking all around till they fall on the floor. I remember my wife being in church like that and looking, I didn't feel that. You, people begin to imagine what they want. You know, there was a time mid-90s, you had the, the, that, the laughter spirit ministry thing. And I went to one of Brother Rodney Howard Brown's meetings, it was over in uh, Delaware, I think. And a lot of people came imagining. They just wanted that. They was oh, big party, 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 party. And he's sharing a word on dying to the flesh. And people just start laughing on us. He said, be quiet. The Spirit of God's not doing that right now. Uh, oh, praise the Lord. I didn't think he was doing that right now either. You're preaching a word about them dying to the flesh. But in their mind, they're thinking about it. I remember hearing an old preacher talk about this once. And he said, if I say the word fleas three times, you'll all be scratching. Please, please, fleas. Here, <laughs> you know, sometimes a thought gets entered into somebody's mind. It's not necessary by the spirit of God, and people begin to respond to that, or act, or try to make it happen. It's not for us to make anything happen. We just want to be responders to the Holy Ghost. How did I get off on that? Baptized and the Holy Ghost and fire. The fire of God will purify us. That sanctification, as I was talking about the other day, the sanctification is by the word... And the Spirit, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the Word. Jesus said, Sanctify them through truth. Thy Word is truth. It's in that hearing of the Word, the fire of God can burn to purify our hearts, that we have the the cages around us come apart and the limitations removed, and we can step up and His grace lift us up from where we were into where He wants to put us. That bird goes where we put her. She didn't have the freedom to just go where she wants to go. And God in his grace will put you in a place. And I'm not talking about physical locations necessarily. There's that too. But it will put you in a place in spirit in that which he would have called you to do and to serve him in that way. And when you know his grace picked you up and put you there, well, you know, he started this thing And he who puts you there, he, he brought you to that place. He can give you whatever you need to keep going. And there's a mentality that we need to have. There's no going back. No going back. I have decided to follow Jesus. There's no going back. There's no going back. We need that kind of resolve in our mind. There's no going back. I'm going forward. God moves forward. And he has lifted me up from wherever we were. And he'll take you out in a place you have to be in faith to to live there. That's a good thing. Our minds do not like that. Our minds want to have everything comfortable, figured out. Don't let yourself get to the place where you don't need a miracle. You don't need to trust him. Lester used to say, if your vision does not shock your flesh, you have backslidden." Remember reading that, Dale? If your vision ceases to shock your flesh, in other words, we should have desires and vision before us of something that God has to show up. We don't allow ourselves in the comfort zone, I can handle this, Lord, you can just leave me alone, go help somebody else. No, we don't want that, but we continue to need him. Lord, I need you. I need to hear your voice. I need you. That's why I do not serve warm-ups. I'm going to seek the Lord every day for what he would have me to say to whoever I'm talking to, whether it's one person, a hundred, a thousand, it doesn't make any difference. Lord, you give me a fresh word, fresh anointing. Fresh. I can tell the same story. That's beside the point. A fresh inspiration, a fresh anointing of his word. Well, Isaiah, <coughs> he, he responded, Humble yourself. According to what you see of Jesus. It's my paraphrase of in the sight of the Lord. Because that can just be, be a religious phrase in our mind. We don't think about it. As I see you, that humbles me. As Isaiah saw the Lord, he was humbled relative to he knew there were some things, sins of the tongue. It doesn't say what it was, none of our business was our business, God would have made it our business. It's not our business. There were sins of the tongue and it was all around him, but Isaiah let it affect him. The things going on around you that are of a negative nature can begin to affect you unless you respond to it positive. I like to watch you know what's going on in the news and all that. But I can only take so much, or I'm gonna get in the flesh. I have to know my limit pray. Read a word, pray, stay in spirit. You can't pretend the, the negative is not around us, it's all around us. You can't be an ignorant dummy about it, you have to know what's going on. However, we cannot allow it to affect us. Sometimes things happening around us begin to contaminate us a little bit. That was Isaiah's situation. You know, all this, whatever was going on in, in the word, re, word's realm, getting on him, and he says, Lord, purify my heart, purify my mouth. I saw the Lord. I'm humbled. And and the Lord touched him with the the coals from the, the altar. You know, the altar, you had the sacrifices burning on that altar. That's what the coals were from. They would take some of those coals into the holy place, and then put the incense on top. Your testimony and your praise is first a result of the fire of God, the offering of the Lord Himself. He is that fire. The offering of the Lord is what brings forth the praise. The fire lights up the incense. But the thing is, as we see the Lord, we need to respond Humble yourself as according as you're seeing the Lord and he'll lift you up. He'll lift you up into another place. Now, please hear this right. Don't hear it through like a religious ears, like I got to root around and look for some sin. In the presence of the Lord, if there's any there, you'll know it. It's called conviction. It's called the Holy Spirit's ministry in that realm. But respond. To humble yourself, the Lord's not to say... Oh, I'm an unworthy worm. I'm a little no good nothing. No, it's to give him his place. What is his place? He is Lord. He is the head of the church. He is my life. Jesus is my life. He is my Savior. He is Lord, the one who commands me, the one who leads me. He is the Lord, my shepherd. He'll lead me in right pass for his name's sake. You see, it's giving him his place. I did that driving over here, going... some, some, you know, routes 30 is highways. There's what's called a yield sign. You know, a yield sign. I'm giving someone their due place. They have the right of way on that lane of the road. To humble ourselves, the Lord, is to give him his place as Lord of our life, as the authority of our life, as the one who is our very source of life. To give him his place is to humble. It's to acknowledge him. In, in what His will is—that's humbling ourselves. So we respond. So this is this how it works? The Lord reveals Himself. You have a choice. You can humble yourself. You can step up on that perch, or you can say, "No, I'm staying in my cage." Our bird will do that now and then, won't she, Donna? She'll just—I'm not coming out. Stick your hand in here. You're going to pull your hand out with blood. (laughs) We see, we can be like that. We laugh at the bird, but woe is us. We can be like that. Lord, don't stick your hand in my comfort zone. I'm going to snap at you. Well, we would never say that, but that's what we do. I want to stay in here. And you were saying that the other night. I just use you as an illustration here. Lord, I don't want to go back to Russia and Ukraine. That's snapping the Lord's hand as he's reaching in there to pull you out. Well, guess what? You went back. (laughs) You got your wings clipped, yeah. Oh, praise the Lord. Well, there's a time for stepping up. It could be you personally just stepping into more what the work he's called you to. There's people operating in ministry. There comes times and seasons. There needs to be a stepping up of another leader or leaders into that which God has been preparing them for, whether they've been preparing for two years, twenty years, or fifty years. Sometimes people, the you know, the greater the work, the greater the preparation. They might think, When's this gonna happen? When am I gonna be released? And then God says, Now's the time to say, Oh, already? I'm not ready. It's always a step of faith. Step up, step up, step up. Let's pray. Father, I pray you give us the understanding to apply this to ourselves, to everyone here. Lord, that we can step out of our cage, the limitations we would place for whatever reason. We step out of any self-imposed bondage. We would step out upon the hand of God and allow grace to lift us up. Father, may the revelation of this be released within us in a powerful way. And I thank you, lives. Our lives, Lord God, our lives are being changed by your Holy Spirit today, by the power of your word working in us. And I thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.